Hi there, Dr. B here with your Module 5 Clarifying Lecture. Um, announcements, and then I'll go right into InnerTeach. Um, your CyberRat uh, stuff looks pretty good. Um, just remember that your last one is due in Module 6, and then I'll answer the one question that you have. All right, so announcements. Um, I'm sure that you've gotten the announcement about the change in participation points. Um, if you haven't, check the announcements check your graded material, and also check where I allocate points because I've put the uh, criterion in each of those three places. So um, I am not answering any emails about that um, unless it's clarifying when Terrell's gonna put those points in. So um, if you have emailed me and asked me, information's right there for you. Um, and something that I'm seeing that is kind of concerning to me is that a lot of you are still kind of trying to kind of um, having some trouble with the basics. Um, differences between antecedents and consequences. What a response is. I'm still seeing some kind of sloppy language around desired behavior or things like that. And I'll tell you, this exam, this BACB exam is tricky. It has a 65% pass rate, um, and you gotta take this stuff seriously or it's not gonna work out. Um, so I really need you to hammer home those basics as much as possible because you're going to see those again because what you're gonna do is in your um, next couple of classes is that you're going to apply all these basics that you've learned. Um, so it's really, really, really important that you have these basics down pat. Um, let's get into InterTeach. Um, the first question about never did it at home. Some of you got a little fancy with this, but really that behavior is not that home and school comprise two different operant classes. So um, there's really no reason to say, oh, well, that, that's ridiculous because home has a whole lot of different operants that are totally and completely different from the operants that operate at school. So the fact that behavior changes between school and home should be pretty expected um, because our repertoires change based upon the contingencies available. Um, talking about um, being precise with, with your um, your terms, I'm seeing people who are talking about SDs as behaviors. SDs are not. Discriminative stimuli are signals that reinforcement is available. They occasion a behavior. So SD first, then behavior. Um, a behavior cannot be an SD. Okay, so make sure that you're looking at SDs and motivating operations as things that come before response and those things that come after a response are consequences. Very, 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 very important. Um, when we're talking about memory, thinking, um, remembering, any of those types of things, Catania and to some extent Jack Michael talks about these things as behavior. So when you remember, remembering that behavior is being reinforced. So there are certain SDs that then um, evoke some verbal behavior, 
around something that may or may not have happened in the past and that verbal behavior is then reinforced in some way. So memories are not pictures, they're not snapshots, they're not mementos. Memories are behavior in and of themselves. Okay, remembering is a behavior. They're not stored somewhere. Um, you know, it, I saw this thing where there was somebody trying to say that they were watching a neuron um, you know, send a chemical signal to another neuron and that's a memory being formed. That's no, that's not how this works. Memory, remembering is a behavior. All right, um, desired behavior, please, okay. There's a lot of reasons why we don't talk about desired behavior, especially in 622. Any behavior can be learned in a repertoire, any behavior. And we put layers of contingencies on top of those that are social that cause them to be seen as appropriate or inappropriate. But behavior in and of itself is neutral. And the idea that there's a desired behavior, um, I know a lot of textbooks use this term and I really don't like it. Um, because first of all, desired is an explanatory fiction. Um, you know, how do you measure desire? Um, and on top of that, I, I just think it sounds weird. Why are we desiring behavior? And it's a little too romantic for my taste. Um, so remember that we're talking about target responding, okay? We're not talking about desired behavior. And I want to talk a little bit about fading. And I think this comes from BALC, from your 619 course, because that textbook talks a little bit more about fading as like fading prompts. And those of you who are in the field are probably talking about fading prompts all the time. But fading is not the same as fading prompts. Now, can you use fading to fade prompts? Yes. Um, but you can also fade a schedule of reinforcement. You can also um, fade features of stimuli. If you've ever looked at a logo and that logo gets a little bit more ambiguous over time, but you still respond to that logo, that's fading. So fading does not have to be prompts. Very, very important. And it's also not the same as prompting. It's not the same as a prompt hierarchy. Um, make sure that whatever you are putting into your paper is in your own words, okay? That's very, very important. Um, I don't know what you know if you copy and paste from Catania. I just don't. Um, so please put everything in your own words. And when you're doing that, make sure that you're avoiding those explanatory fictions like wanting. And I think um, I made a um, presentation that says something about MOs, why do we want what we want? And I kind of regret that and I need to redo it um, because really MOs have nothing to do with wanting. Um, and I made a huge mistake when I said that. So MOs are really what makes a contingency brighter or dimmer. So I sometimes say it's like the dimmer switch on a contingency. Um, when the contingent, when the dimmer switch is turned all the way down, that's an abolishing operation. And the power of the SD, the power of the reinforcer to evoke that response is weak. When the dimmer switch is turned way up, 
the power of the SD and the reinforcer to evoke that response is strong. That's an MO. And SDs and MOs are not the same things. SDs are discrete signals that reinforcement is available. MOs affect the strength of the contingency. And they're both antecedents. So remember that um, motivation is an explanatory fiction. We can't measure it. We don't know what it is. However, motivating operations are those things that make contingencies stronger or weaker. Um, this seems to be a short one tonight, um, so I'll get to your question. Um, what is the difference between a break and run and a post-reinforcement pause? So a post-reinforcement pause and break and run are very, very similar and they often occur together, but they don't have to. So post-reinforcement pause, all that means is when a reinforcer is delivered, some time elapses before uh, the organism responds again. That's all post-reinforcement pause is. Um, a break and run is a special type of that in which reinforcer is delivered and organism, some time passes, and then there's a burst of responding. So that's the difference between break and run and post-reinforcement pause. All right, thank you very much for listening. This one's a short one tonight, and we'll see you in Module 6.